Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, please, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We continue our study of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi, and I would have you to remember that at the writing of this letter, the Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome. And he was in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that day and time, the emperor of Rome wanted to be acknowledged as Lord, and in some instances, Lord and God. But the preaching of the Apostle Paul <clears throat> was that people should acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and as God. That he died on the cross to save from sin. He rose from the dead, victorious over the grave, sealing God's plan of salvation to all who put their faith and trust in him. And for that... Uh, he was placed in prison. And while he was in prison, there were those individuals in churches that the apostle had uh, been a part of uh, in establishing as well as in discipling people who would send uh, members from their congregation to the apostle Paul to encourage him uh, and to support him. So that's the larger context of this letter. After 45 years of ministry, the greatest disappointments I've experienced came from inside the church rather than outside the church. From Christians who knew the Bible, who were involved in church life and in ministry, and were even leaders in the church, but would not practice what they preached, would not follow through in their conversation or in their conduct with what they knew to be true in Scripture and in line with Christian faith. In his letter, to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul gave a number of reasons why we as Christians should rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. He also spoke of situations that arise and people who appear on the scene for no other reason than to discourage and to tear faithful servants of the Lord apart. Yet even in this, Paul reminds us of the great joy that is ours in Christ Jesus. Look at chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. 
The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul wrote of two groups of people that appear to be spiritually linked in ministry. They appear to be linked in ministry. Both groups preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, some preach Christ from envy and from strife, while others preach Christ from goodwill. Some preach Christ from selfish ambition, while others preach Christ out of love for the Lord and the brethren. Some preach Christ from a desire to ruin Paul's ministry, while others preach Christ in support of Paul's ministry. What causes Christian people to get crossways with each other in the church? What causes Christian leaders to be at odds with each other in ministry? And how is it that ministers and churches and ministries within the church are like sports rivals? We love the same game. We do our best to excel and to succeed. We have a single goal in mind, but we oppose each other. We work against each other. Twenty-five years ago or so, I spoke to our Association of Churches in an annual meeting. A year prior to that meeting, there had surfaced a spirit of contention among the pastors. I had been invited by the association, by some of the pastors, to attend the monthly breakfasts that were held during that year. What I expected was a spirit of camaraderie, a concern for reaching the Central Valley with the gospel of Jesus Christ, an attitude of love and support for each other and their ministries. What I experienced was a spirit of one-upmanship as the men were obsessed with statistics regarding buildings and budgets and baptisms and bodies. Those 
pastors whose numbers were up were praised for their successes. And the other pastors around the tables would ask them what programs that they were involved with that brought them to their success. But those pastors around the table whose numbers were low or declining were pretty much ignored by everyone else. At the annual meeting, as I was invited to speak, I reminded our churches that the field of ministry is not a ground for competition. Let me say that again, because you need to hear it. The field of ministry is not a ground for competition. The only one who is to be praised for the success of any ministry is Jesus Christ, who's in the process of building his church among us. Now bear that in mind. The issue with the Apostle Paul here in these verses is one of motives. It's one of motives. He states it clearly in verse 15 and verse 16. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my desires, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Hard to imagine. How do you preach Christ from envy, which means jealousy? How do you preach Christ from strife, meaning rivalry? How do you preach Christ from selfish ambition, which means self-promotion? How do you preach Christ with those kinds of motives in your heart and in your mind? Now, I want you to notice, in case some of you are thinking, well, these individuals must not be Christian. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. The word indeed emphasizes the fact that these who were preaching from ulterior motives were indeed Christian preachers. They were ministers of the gospel. There was no doubt in Paul's mind about that. So we're not talking here about heretic preachers. We're not talking about cult leaders. We're not talking about false prophets. These are men who are Christian, but are acting like non-Christians. I've attended meetings in which pastors from all over the region got together to plan special events and meetings intended to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ 
to our communities, to our cities. Six years ago, a meeting was organized in preparation of Franklin Graham coming to the Central Valley on the Decision America tour. Some of you remember meeting with Franklin Graham in Turlock for those meetings. A few years before that, Greg Laurie held a Harvest America crusade in Turlock. And churches all over the valley were invited to come and to hear the gospel as Pastor Greg Laurie preached. I've been in a number of such meetings all through my tenure as a pastor here and in other communities. When Luis Palau came to Modesto, I was an associate pastor at the Calvary Baptist Church, and pastors all over Modesto got together to plan for the crusade that would be led by Luis Palau, the Billy Graham of Latin America. Other such meetings uh, I had been a part of, and those meetings involved pastors and church leaders from a wide spectrum of churches and denominations. And even though we may have differed on certain points of doctrine or of churchmanship, we all met together with one ministry in mind, and that was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Central Valley. And all of us together met with one motive in heart, and that was to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to honor and glorify him as Lord and Savior. Some of the men preaching outside the prison where the Apostle Paul was prisoner had the same ministry in mind. They were out preaching Jesus Christ. They were out spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But their motive, their motive was not to lift up the name of Jesus. Their motive was to promote themselves above the apostle. These people, as the apostle tells us, preached out of envy, which means they were jealous. Why were they jealous? What was going on in their heart and in their mind that would make them jealous of the Apostle Paul? Well, the Apostle doesn't tell us. He doesn't make a list. But if I were to speculate, based upon the experiences of I, I've had, uh, over these many years, I would simply say that they may have been jealous over the power and the, and the influence of the Apostle Paul. The power and the influence of the Apostle Paul. Maybe they were envious of his popularity with the churches that he established and helped to grow. Maybe they were jealous of the love and support that many of the churches gave to the apostle as he was out on his missionary journeys and even while he was in his imprisonments. 
Maybe they resented the fact that God had blessed him richly with spiritual giftedness, with ministry opportunities, with protection, and with provision as he was out facing the hazards of the Roman Empire while he was trying to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they were hostile toward him because he was an apostle, having met the Lord face to face and was personally commissioned by the Lord into missionary service. They were jealous. They were envious of the Apostle Paul. But you'll notice also here in verse 15, their jealousy led to strife. The word strife means contention. It means rivalry. It means conflict. These individuals were not just content to badmouth the Apostle Paul while he was in prison, and they were not. They didn't stop at just spreading rumors or gossip. They were not just satisfied wagging their tongues at the Apostle Paul. They took the next step and tried to stir things up among the people. Now again, the Apostle Paul doesn't say what strife uh, that they had created, but if we read uh, of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, and if we read his, letter to the ver his letters to the various churches, we can surmise some of the strife that was being created in opposition to the Apostle Paul. In other places, Christians slandered him. They called his credentials into question. They discredited him. Some ran him out of town. And on one occasion, church people got together and they tried to stone him to death. In Rome, where the Apostle Paul was imprisoned, he was most likely discredited. He was most likely slandered. He was most likely mocked and criticized. Like the friends of Job, these preachers probably said that the Apostle Paul was in prison because he had sinned against the Lord and this was his just punishment. You ever have any friends like that? You're down on your luck. Things are not going well. You try to get involved in ministry and it doesn't click on all cylinders. And in some loving, compassionate, spiritual individual comes up to you and said, Well, it's your own fault. You must be crossways with God. You ever have any good church folk like that? Maybe some said if Indeed, he was the spiritual giant that all of the churches said he was. If he truly is God's man and in God's good graces, then God would have sent an angel to spring him out of prison like what happened to the Apostle Peter when he was in prison. Maybe others said 
that the Lord put him in prison because he'd served his usefulness and it was time for others to take over the ministry. We don't know for sure what the laundry list of strife was that these preachers created. But we do know that their motive was to get under Paul's skin, to irritate him, to dampen his spirit, to discourage him. And it may very well be, and listen to me, it may very well be that even though these men were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, Satan was using them to sideline the apostle in order to get him to quit. And Satan can do that. And Christian people can allow Satan to do that in and through them. You know, this can happen to any church. What the Apostle Paul is talking about here in this letter, it can happen and has happened and is still happening in churches today. Paul wrote a letter to a very troubled church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, he wrote, Now I plead with you, brethren, so he's talking to Christians, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Y'all get on the same page here when it comes to church life and church ministry. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Y'all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, word has gotten back to me, that there are contentions among you. There is strife. There are rivalries among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, that is Peter, the Apostle Peter, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? The Apostle asks. Was Paul crucified for you? The Apostle asks. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? In the church at Corinth, a messed up church, all of these rivalries were going on, not created by Apollos, not created by the Apostle Paul, not created by the Apostle Peter, certainly not created by the Lord Jesus Christ, but by the people, the membership in that church. This could happen even here. This can happen even here. Some may say, I go to Winton Church because of Pastor Powell, a great man, a compassionate man, a good counselor, a great servant of the Lord. Some may say, I go to Winton Church because of Pastor Benton, no one greater 
in my opinion, no one greater in leading worship, in bringing us to a point where we are ready to hear and to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ in the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Some may say, I go to Winton Church because of Pastor Cook. Young, vibrant, wonderful ideas, good preacher. Individual who loves to plan and to organize to get people involved in what's going on in the church. And some may say, I go to Winton Church because of Pastor Martin. Well, he's been there for so long, there must be something good about him. <laughs> Listen to me. We're not here to promote ourselves. Hear me. We are not here to promote ourselves. We are here to promote Jesus Christ. We are not here to be involved in jealousy or in strife. There is no contention among us as pastors in this church. No contention whatsoever. Our one ministry is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community and to outlying areas. Our one motive is to lift up the name of Jesus and to honor and glorify Him as Lord and Savior. We are in this together. We are not in this individually. The Lord has brought us together by His Holy Spirit for His purposes, not only in our individual lives, but also in the life of this church. In the face of those who tried to discourage the Apostle Paul, he told the church at Philippi that despite all that was going on outside the prison, what was going on inside the prison was his joy was ever increased in Christ Jesus. He was unaffected by their jealousy and their contentiousness. He was unfazed by their selfish ambition. He rejoiced in the fact that despite their motives against him, the gospel of Jesus Christ was being preached and people were being saved. Paul understood that ministry in the kingdom of God is not about Paul. It's about Jesus. We understand the ministry of the kingdom of God in this place is not about Pastor Joe, Pastor Dave, Pastor Chris, or myself. It's about Jesus Christ. Paul rejoiced. Notice what he says in verse 18. What then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. And he says it again, yes, and will rejoice. Why? How? Two things. He rejoiced that despite their best efforts, Jesus Christ was being preached. 
people were hearing the gospel. Second, even though those, some of those on the outside were trying to detract from Paul's ministry and trying to tear Paul apart and bring Paul down, there were others who still supported him. There were those who encouraged him. There were those who prayed for him and went to the prison to pray with him. There were those who demonstrated good will toward him and showed their love for him in defense of the gospel. Look at verses 15 through 17 again. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. That means they were helpful. They were supportive. Verse 16, the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add my, add my affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. There were those who supported the Apostle Paul, as there were those who did not support the Apostle Paul. Maybe they had forgotten the words of Jesus. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said to his disciples, a new commandment, I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. They may have been Christian people, but they were not acting like disciples of Jesus Christ. Maybe they needed to hear the words of the Apostle Peter, who wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Maybe they needed to hear that sermon from the Apostle Peter. Finally, Notice Paul's attitude in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. What was he saying? Common vernacular? So what? There are those out there preaching Christ Jesus and their motives are wrong. There are those out there who are preaching Christ Jesus and their motives are right. So what? So what? I could care less about the detractors and their motives. All I care about is the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached and people are being saved. Paul did not rejoice in heresy. Paul did not rejoice in the false prophets. He did not rejoice in the motives and the attitudes of those brethren that contended with him. He rejoiced in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that it was being proclaimed despite their contentionness, their contention against the Apostle Paul. Now the bottom line is this. 
The bottom line is simply this. The gospel is the gospel. Amen? The gospel is the gospel. Truth is truth. God's truth is God's truth. People may have ulterior motives for being in ministry. And I know a number of individuals who went into ministry for all the wrong reasons. People may have ulterior motives for being in ministry. They may have their own agenda in ministry as pastor, as deacon, as teacher, as whatever. They may have their own agenda. They may be ornery. They may be aloof. They may be hard-nosed. Or they may be loving and compassionate and caring and supportive. They may be serious expositors of the Scripture in their preaching and teaching, or they may be storytellers. And some of you know pastors that are marvelous storytellers, like Jesus and His parables. They may be one who likes to tell funny stories, humorous anecdotes. Lift your spirits, get you thinking about the seriousness of the gospel in a humorous way or in a light-hearted way. They may minister for 15 minutes. They may minister for an hour or more. But if the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached and taught and witnessed and shared, then it's God's truth to everyone who hears it. And God will honor His truth despite their motives. Isaiah the prophet said it this way. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, that means empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I have sent it. And we can rejoice in that, can we not? Can't we? Stand with me as David comes to lead us in song and as we dismiss in prayer. That is good, good stuff. God's Word is so good. Joy in facing opposition. Here's how we do this every day. When we walk with the being with us today. May God bless we go and as we minister to those that the Lord sends 
our way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The power of your word that transforms lives. Thank you for those whom you have called, equipped, set aside, and continue to encourage to be ministers of that gospel. Pastors, teachers, missionaries, evangelists, deacons, elders. Thank you for those, Lord God, who are not in any official capacity in the church, but they are faithful. They're faithful to tell people about Jesus. Now, Father, I ask, as we've come not only to the table of your sacrifice, but also to the table of the spiritual food that you have prepared for us, may we now go and may we share with other people just how wonderful, how loving, how compassionate, how forgiving you truly are. Give us encouragement. Help us not to be discouraged by what people say. Help us to press on as your Holy Spirit leads us until that day when we hear the trumpet sound, when we hear the angel call, and we see Jesus coming for us in the clouds. To his honor and to his glory, and certainly in his blessed name, we've gathered and we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.